Gaming the System, the number one podcast for gaming addiction, brought to you by Game Quitters. We use research-backed information to provide you with helpful solutions to gaming disorder, as well as shedding light on some of the most pressing matters in the video game industry every single week. We'll also feature guests who are former gaming addicts and have gone on to game the system, creating a life for themselves outside of the virtual world. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 19 of Gaming System. Today I want to talk about everybody's favourite surprise mechanic, which is loot boxes. Parents hate them, governments hate them, gamers hate them, and yet publishers continue to shove them down our throats at every chance they get. They've been banned in a number of countries around the world and are regulated in many others. However, places like the UK... USA, Canada, South Korea, Japan, and many other top gaming countries are yet to acknowledge the notion that loot boxes and microtransactions are akin to gambling. So, who's in the right? If you're not sure what loot boxes are, simply put, they're virtual items in video games that contain randomized contents and can be bought with real money. They've become so widespread in the industry that one estimate states the total revenue generated by loot boxes in 2018 was roughly $30 billion. The reason why so many countries don't have regulations in place for loot boxes is due to laws preventing them from being classed as gambling. Despite paying money for a random chance to unlock an item through mechanics such as roulette wheels and slot machines, because you can't earn real money from them, they can't legally be called gambling. I mean, it's different for different countries, but generally that's the main one. And as a result, these in-game purchases aren't being upheld to the same regulatory standards as gambling. Now, a number of bodies in the industry have stated that there's no cause for concern with regards to loot boxes. For example, the European rating organization PEGI asserted that loot crates are currently not considered gambling. You always get something when you purchase them, even if it's not what you hoped for. Similarly, the Entertainment Software Rating Board, ESRB, said they do not consider this mechanic to be gambling because the player uses real money to pay for and obtain in-game content. The player is always guaranteed to receive something, even if the player doesn't want what is received. Think of it like opening a pack of collectible cards. Sometimes you'll get a brand new rare card, but other times you'll get a pack full of cards you already have. Now on the surface, these might seem like fairly reasonable claims. Are they really any different to packs of Pokemon cards that we used to open when we were younger? Well, yes, they are. Not only that, but there are a plethora of problems that arise due to the use of loot boxes as a monetization mechanic. One of these problems is the link between simulated gambling and problem gambling. David Zendel, a video game researcher and professor at the University of York, has published a number of papers exploring this relationship and in the process has revealed a number of interesting results. In one report, in one report, Zendel conducted a large-scale survey on 7,422 gamers aged 18 years or older that were recruited via Reddit. The participants answered a series of nine questions pertaining to the Problem Gambling Severity Index. So these were things like, have you needed to gamble with larger amounts of money to get the same feeling of excitement? Or have you borrowed money or sold anything to get money to gamble? The sum of their scores totaled between 0 and 27, and then the severity of their problem of gambling was classified from these results. 
To measure loot box spend, participants were also asked whether they had ever bought a loot box in a video game, and if they said yes, they were asked approximately how much money in US dollars they spent on loot boxes each month. Other in-game microtransaction spends was also measured to determine whether or not specific features of loot boxes contributed to problem gambling and not due to problem gamblers simply spending more money. After statistical analysis through a number of different mechanisms such as Kruger-Wallace and Mann-Whitney tests and then put in the results through Bonferroni corrections which just helps to increase the validity of the experimental data the final results showed some surprising links between problem gambling and loot boxes. Not only that, but it seems like the link persists regardless of whether or not you look at loot boxes or other microtransactions in general. Although the relationship with other microtransactions is much weaker compared to loot boxes, which suggests that something specific about loot boxes is causing this link to problem gambling to be so strong. Now, unless you're a statistics nerd, the eta squared value of 0.054 and all these tests and all that stuff <laughs> between these data sets won't mean a lot to you but it suggests the effect of problem gambling on loot box spend is of small to medium size which an effect of this magnitude generally bears practical and statistical significance although it might sound small the reason why this is so significant is because of how much it stands out from currently observed relationships between problem gambling and things like depression and drug problems. So if the statistical significance was small enough compared to these, then it could be dismissed as trivial. However, due to the relationship between problem gambling and loot box spend being stronger than problem gambling and depression and drugs, it's of much greater importance. It's actually comparable in strength to the relationship between problem gambling and alcohol dependence. This study was done in 2018, and since then Zendel has gone on to publish numerous other reports about the links between problem gambling and loot boxes. All of the evidence points towards something that could become a much bigger problem than people realise. Loot boxes and microtransactions have become so normalised in the gaming world, and they're featuring so heavily in modern games, for example... For example, six years ago, less than 20% of games on the App Store contained microtransactions. Now it's at 90%. The business model of the industry is shifting massively, and is purely for the benefit of producers. They're preying on an ever-decreasing attention span, an ever-increasing need for stimulation, and on people expecting to get more for less. Game designers are shoving as many psychological tricks into their free games as they can, in order to get you hooked as fast as possible, in the hopes that you'll continue to play and end up spending money. It's a far cry from the industry in the past, where the focus was on providing as much value to the consumer as possible. And I, I should say that I know that most game developers aren't like this, but the loudest ones are causing the most problems, and it's pretty easy to see which ones are targeting people in this way and having this... And are causing the shift in the industry. Now, I saw a news article last week that said the gaming industry has launched a lobbying effort in order to protect smartphone games from Washington gambling laws, which is just, <laughs> it's just astounding. It's incredible that we've reached the point where the industry is ready and willing to put their own profits above the well-being of people and children.
but it's the exact same thing that happened with gambling, drinking, and smoking in the past. It's a sign that they're becoming scared of potential regulations. They're worried that, heavens forbid, we get better laws to protect young people from spending money on gambling and video games. It's a sign that what we're doing is working. Parents shouldn't be downloading a game about Disney's Frozen and worrying about whether or not it contains gambling mechanics, which is a huge concern, and most parents aren't aware of what's going on. But people are talking. People are beginning to realise that this is no longer a harmless issue of playing a few hours of video games. The industry, and the mobile industry in particular, has become nefarious in its approach, and the people are finally fighting back, and the governments are starting to take action. And at Game Quitters, it's an incredible privilege to be able to raise awareness on such a widespread issue. So thank you to everyone that supports us in our mission to bring help to those that need it, no matter where you are in the world. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It, <laughs> it got a little bit ranty towards the end, which I've realized is becoming more common. Maybe I'm just subconsciously more angry at the industry than I realized, which is definitely possible. And also, I could have spent hours going in-depth into every study linking gambling and gaming, but I don't think it's necessary, at least not in this podcast. Maybe... Uh, I could do some in the future, go really in-depth into the science of it, get some guests on the podcast, maybe even David Zendel himself to come and talk about it. But if you're interested, you can read the papers for yourself. Just go to Google Scholar and search for loot box problem gambling and you'll have enough to start you off with for the next <laughs> few weeks. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to leave us a rating if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. We're releasing them twice a week now on Tuesday and Friday, which if you're watching this, you already know about because it should be Tuesday. <laughs> so there's always going to be something for you to enjoy. And until next time, peace. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Gaming the System, the number one podcast on gaming addiction brought to you by Game Quitters. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to share it around to family members, friends, or anyone you think could benefit and don't forget to leave a review. It's super helpful. Check us out on social at Game Quitters Everywhere. And if gaming addiction is affecting your life, we recommend having a look at our guide on the website. It's gamequitters.com forward slash respawn if you're a gamer and gamequitters.com forward slash reclaim if you're the parent or loved one of an addict. The important thing is not to lose hope. And remember, real life is always worth fighting for. See you in the next episode.